When Steelers minicamp opened up on Tuesday, Najee Harris joined the other running backs in the NFL who were talking about their value and how it's impacting their co- their contract situation in the NFL. To talk about that, we've got Ray Fittipaldo, who was right there with me, talking to Najee Harris at, at the scrum at the, at the Steelers minicamp. We'll talk about that and the identity of the Steelers offense, as well as the Buckos with Andrew Destin, all here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined here by Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Get all of our content at post-gazette.com, but find all of our podcast content on all your po- favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday to Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content um, that, com- that comes out uh, here. Uh, because We do Monday, Wednesday, Friday for this show, but we have tons of other content that comes out for all of our other shows. Now, uh, Ray wanted to talk to you about Najee Harris because he, as usual, when he, when he gets up to the mic, he has a lot to say. And we'll talk about the specific Steelers element in a bit, but I want to talk about more of a national element and something that's been coming out with more running backs. Saquon Barkley's addressed it. Other running backs addressed it. Dalvin Cook has been released as a free agent. And people are wondering, is he even, uh, who's going to even sign him? And it's a legitimate question i think that's out there right now because people are questioning the value of the running back position in the nfl yeah i mean listen i I think it's unfortunate but uh, you mentioned the two big storylines um in new york and minnesota right now and we've seen this play out um for what the last five or ten years running backs uh have a short shelf life Mm -hmm. and when it comes to teams wanting to sign them to second contracts um, there's not a lot of bite a lot of the times. Um, teams just say, hey, you know, we're good having you for four, five years, and then we're going to move on and sign the next young guy. So, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons the Steelers took Najee Harris in the first round. They could control him for five seasons. If he has a good season this year, they'll pick up that fifth-year option, and they'll have him in his prime years. I want to say, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, when he was drafted, he was – 22 going on 23. So play that out over five years. You have him through his prime, really, right? I mean, all running backs – I shouldn't say all running backs. Most running backs begin to decline age 29, age 30, and on. And uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but we saw the Dallas Cowboys get burned with this. They signed Ezekiel Elliott to a big deal, a big second contract, and he wasn't – he didn't play – to that contract. He didn't earn that uh, the money in that contract. So I understand it from the team's perspective. I also understand it from the running back's perspective, but I just think that's that's where they are right now, and there's not a lot they can do about it. Let's hear from Najee Harris and what exactly he was saying on his what his side was and uh, why he said he kind of aligned himself with the other running backs who've made their case. Here's Najee Harris when he was talking after Steelers, Steelers minicamp practice on Tuesday what they say about the running back um you know it's kind of the, the position's kind of going downwards but you know if you look at some of the offenses you know the, the running back is featured a lot you know um so just kind of what what the guys were saying you know just show a little bit more appreciation of, you know because 
obviously it's a rough position. You know, what, we're, what we go through is probably one of the roughest positions. Um, so, you know, I'm just advocating and I'm, you know, joining that team of, you know, I agree with pretty much what those guys are saying. Um, you know, I'm just anyway, you know, because I'm a running back myself and I'm pretty sure any running backs who will come, want to come in the league um, are just even people going around and telling them, you know, if you want to get paid, you know, don't be a running back. You know what I mean? So it's just the position is, is an art to me. I, I'll, I'll always love the position. You know, you could do so much. It's almost as if, like, you're a queen in chess, you know, because you could do a lot of things, line up out, out wide, run the ball, protection, you know, it could be in, in implementing the offense so much. It's like, you know, for them to say it's a, a position, you know, it's not as valued as it's kind of crazy. So. Is, is it surprising or is it weird to see when you see a guy like Delvin Cook get released? And Zeke, yeah. I mean, they're longtime guys at the organization's same position. Is it weird it's when crazy. you see those guys hit the market? Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, they say that when you turn a certain age, then you're out of your years of playing, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Um, if you feel like you were able to play still, you know what I mean, then who is it for somebody else to say that you can't? Like, they don't know your body, neither have they been in your position. They're just people riding behind the Internet. They don't really don't know how you train. They don't know how you take care of your body. It's just people making assumptions, which they don't know nothing about. You know, so to see people like that get released, like, you know, it's especially in my position, it's like, damn, wh what did they do? Is it because of their age or anything? Like, Dalvin Cook coming off of multiple thousand-yard seasons. Like, what? I don't know. Is it money from the team? They got to pay somebody? I don't know. But, you know, it's eye-opening for sure. Yeah. Now, Ray, that's a, that's some pretty strong words there from not Najee Harris. I, I, I wanted to get into what you thought when you when you hear him say, I don't know about who these people are like, but, you know, somewhere on the Internet that don't have the experience and talking about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has had four straight years with eleven hundred rushing yards or more. One of those years he rushed over fifteen hundred yards uh, and, and he's he's been on fire in the NFL. He's been one of the biggest factors in the Vikings success when you look at what at, at some of the games that they've won over the past se several years. Uh, what do you? What's your response when you hear Najee Harris talking uh, talking about th those specific internet people that he was that he mentioned? I have no idea what he's talking about. These are NFL teams. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings released them. What's he talking yeah. about? Right? <laughs> I mean, what do you say? People on the internet? Those are people running NFL teams who don't value running backs. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Najee likes to talk. Gets on a roll sometimes. Honestly, I don't know. Sometimes I don't think he knows what he's saying, but. I mean, it's, it's the reality, right? I mean, this is the way the NFL is now. There's some talk about, what, a running backs union? I mean, I, I don't know how you do that within a structure. When yeah, I don't know either. The NFLPA, right? I mean, that's a, that's a pipe dream to me. Um, listen, people have tried to take stands. Le'Veon Bell tried to take a stand six years ago. How did that work mm -hmm. out for him? Didn't work out too well. How did that work out for other running backs? Mm-hmm. It kind of – Kind of proved the point of the of the teams that were like you know we can move on. Granted, the Steelers' offense struggled without Le'Veon Bell. They had a lot of fumbles, but uh, Le'Veon Bell couldn't just go to the Jets and make the same magic happen. Hey, listen, the only thing that's changed is that the Steelers have changed from 2017. They were this high-scoring offense that uh, was built around Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. Now Najee Harris can make a legit argument that hey. You built your offense around me. Pay me. Is that going to make a difference in two years? I don't know, Chris. But honestly, I don't think I don't think a lot has changed in the past five, 10, 15 years. Running backs just aren't valued, and it's no one on the internet who's making these declarations. It's NFL teams who are signing these checks who are making these declarations. 
I will say this. I, there are <laughs> NFL teams that if you listen to people who do like the analytics and stuff that drive some of these conversations online, NFL teams have started to listen to those analytics because I think that part of what's happened, like, like I, I listen a lot to like Warren Sharp, a guy that does a lot of analytics stuff. And he's talked about on multiple shows about how, you know, he was an engineer who just wanted to come up with, with data and then, you know, kind of show what that data represents for teams. And more and more teams have, have started to go that way as far as using those analytics. And I think it's that the people that drive those conversations on the internet and, 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 you know, go by these analytics. And I think PFF pro football focus and, you know, other groups like that, they're showing these numbers and teams are, are going by the same numbers as them. And so maybe that's what he means by people on the internet. But your point stands very much is that it doesn't matter if people on the internet are saying it, what it matters is the people in the front offices are saying it and acting behind it. And the, you know, I think you bring up a good point and Ron Cook brought up a good point in his, uh, his, uh, his, his column about Najee Harris and saying, you know what, in a couple in a year, he's going to be in the same situation because next year the Steelers have to figure out that they want a fifth year extension with him. He'll be in his fourth season with, with them. And then they got to figure out, you know, it, you know, is Najee Harris worth paying, uh, you know, at his point, you know, uh, Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in football was it will be 28 years old this this season and he is a free agent from the team that drafted him the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh what you mentioned about the analytics is true, Chris, but every team has an analytics department now. It might some might have right. smaller ones than others. Some hey, some might have big ones. You know, there are a lot of teams that um you know their their front office is built around, you know, analytics and in, in the way they look at things. Um but that, I mean, PFF, Warren Sharp, they're not driving conversations within NFL front offices. I think they're providing information that supports what NFL front offices do. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I, I think Najee Harris and Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley, I think they're getting raw deals. I, I do. I, I think um, there's an argument to, to be made that they are worth that money. Um, but I also know that the NFL – hasn't been wanting to change the running back market for the last um, generation or so. And I just don't see that changing. I, I think that position by NFL front offices and coaches is viewed differently than other positions. And they believe they can go out, get a younger guy, run him into the ground and do it all over again in a four or five year span. So I feel bad for those guys, but I, I don't think anything is going to change within the league, um, at least not in the next couple of years. I hear you on that. Uh, let's talk about a little bit more about what that value that Najee Harris will have to the Steelers this year because he talked about the Steelers' identity. want to get your thoughts on that here in a minute on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But first, let's talk to our friends or talk about our friends at GameTime.co, one of the great sponsors of this show. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. That's where GameTime, the new app that helps you get tickets to your favorite events, comes in to help you because it's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you, even up to the last minute with, with killer deals. that give And they have their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. The Game Time app allows you to book tickets up to the last minute, and even if you didn't plan out far in advance and you found something there, 
Game time is going to give you opportunities to save big on 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 big tickets. On you get flash deals for any events. And this is football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy events, theater events, anything that near you. Game time is going to help you find it. And the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. So if you go and find the to find tickets for your event in the same section and same row for less money somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the, tech, the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo, continuing our Steelers talk here. Ray, Najee addressed the identity of the Steelers' offense, and he talked about how they started to come into their own, at least running the ball, last year uh, in, in the second half of the season, and he talked about how they're further along this year. But when you look at that, I think people look at that point at that point last year where, yeah, sure, they were running the ball better, but the offense still wasn't where they where they wanted it to be. Do you feel like they are this is this is something and Najee felt like it was something that could that, that that's going to carry over. But do you feel like the offense is truly in a in a place where they're going to be able to pick up on, on the progress that they were able to see, uh, pull off last year and kind of show and kind of keep stepping forward this year instead of kind of having to wait the first three or four weeks for them to kind of get their feet back under them. Yeah, no, I, I think those early season struggles that they endured last year, I would be shocked um, if they happened again this year. I think they discovered their winning formula. You know, it was to play conservative football and to lean on your defense and to shorten games. And, I, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big part uh, of their success in 2023 if, if they're able, um, you know, to be a playoff team. Um, but I also think at a certain point, you have to be able to score more than 17 or 20 points in a game. And there are going to be games where you're going to be in shootouts, you know, with the Bengals or the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Jaguars or any number of the contenders in the AFC. So, yeah, the identity is going to be the same, Chris. But I think, you know, Matt Canada is talking today. Mike Sullivan is talking today after minicamp practice. So the questions for them um, are going to be, okay, can Kenny Pickett audible this year? You had the reins on him last year for the entire season. Mm -hmm. Mr. Trubisky, is he going to be able to audible, number one? Number two, are you going to open up more of the playbook and are you going to trust Kenny Pickett more in certain situations? You don't have to have him throw 35, 40 times a game, but there might be situations where you feel like you could unleash him against certain opponents or certain matchups. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see what, what those guys have to say today. I think that's going to be a big part of the equation. I think, honestly, that's going to be a big part of them, really. What did they finish last year, 25th, 26th in the league in scoring? I think they got to get up to like 18 or 20, maybe even higher if they want to be a true playoff contender. No, I agree with that part of it because I think that there's uh, like you look at the if they're especially if their defense ranks in like the top five, top ten category, they're able to have a full year with T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward, and they they perform at the level that I expect. I think that the defense can be one of those top units, and the offense just needs to be a middling unit, and a middling unit would be 
six around that 16 15 range i think that that would be that would make them i think that puts them in the playoffs for sure maybe even makes them a team that could knock out a play, another playoff opponent or two uh but based on just how the defense plays but um going into you know part of the, the identity part though is like you know Kenny Pickett what's what's he allowed to do what is he allowed to add to this offense i think it's also going to be based on uh what is he allowed to you know what is what is going to be the focus of this offense when is running is running the ball down people's throats using physicality is that going to be something that they can rely on we know they've invested in broderick jones they invested in isaac seomalo the offensive line got better last year as the as the year went on uh naji harris and jalen warren i think are a one-two punch that could that could work for that they got you know they made sure to bring back zach gentry and they drafted darnell washington so they have big tight ends they can put up front and can and can block and all of this lines up for me and i say ray like okay this is what you've been shaping up for I, they, they've got to be able to follow through on it. And if they don't follow through on it, it's going to be that much harder for Kenny Pickett to be able to, to kind of do what we're talking about here. Like he'll be still be, he can call audibles all he wants, but if teams aren't afraid of at least one significant aspect of the Steelers offense, be it Kenny Pickett's throwing or Najee Harris is running or the offensive line and how they operate, you're going to be in a similar position this year because you, you, every offense that's really good or even decent needs a bread and butter that teams are afraid of. Well, that's going back to the first half of last season. I remember asking Mason Cole in the locker room, what's your identity? And he said, we don't have one right now. So the positive development in the second half of the season is they found their identity. And you have to remember, Chris, when you're a team that can run the ball, and they, they, they didn't even, you know, their second half performance, I'd have to look at the numbers. Um, but they even in the second half, they weren't like a prolific running team. They were just good enough to win football games. You know, right. Najee Harris was much better than he was in the first half. Mm-hmm. If you can improve that, let's say you become a top 14, top 16 rushing team in the NFL. There's so much more you can do off of that. You know, you mentioned Darnell Washington. Okay, he's in there for the running game. You pop him on a on a third and two. You pop him down the seam. Boom, big play, play action. So there's so much you can do within your offense when you have a successful running game, um, but they just have to get to the point. I understand what you're saying. They have to get to the point where they're um, respected by every defense that they play, and then I think the offense will flow off that. So, um, I, again, you know, what I saw in the second half of last season was encouraging, but I definitely think Matt Cannon and Mike Tomlin uh, have to open up the playbook a little bit more put a little bit more trust in Kenny Pickett for this offense to grow and to become a little bit more dangerous. No, I, I, I agree. Part of that's on Matt Canada, and he does talk Wednesday uh, at Steelers minicamp. We'll get more from him uh, for the Friday episode when, when he talks there. You know, And I think that part of this also is if you look at Matt Canada and where he's been when Ben Roethlisberger took over or when he took over as offensive coordinator in Ben Roethlisberger's last season, I'm sure he didn't have a lot of flexibility to kind of tell Ben Roethlisberger what to do. I think he Ben was going to like, this is my offense. Get out of the way. This is what I'm supposed to do here. And then he comes into a season where Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky are his quarterbacks. And you're dealing with a veteran guy who was kind of brought in to be a bridge quarterback at best. And then a rookie quarterback who you're trying to kind of just ease him into the process. Have you felt that like maybe Matt Canada has kind of just, he hasn't had the best situations to work with, or do you think it's like, you know what? No, like other teams work with young quarterbacks and yeah. they need, and, and that you still need to be able to produce at a, at a higher level than, than they have. 
Yeah, I mean, you're an NFL offensive coordinator. You have to work with what you have. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's no excuses in the NFL. And it's um, like I, I think Matt Canada has been justly criticized for some things over the years um, when he's been in this position. But I also think that Mike T- Tomlin had the handcuffs on him. And Mike Tomlin pretty much admitted to that after last season. So it's a balancing act. I think Matt Canada can be better. I think Mike Tomlin can have more trust in his coordinator and his quarterback. And I, you know, I, I think that just, that goes into team building that goes into how you want to play. So, I mean, I get it, you know, Matt Canada, you could say he's been dealt a tough hand, but there's plenty of offensive coordinators out there who have restraints on them, who might have young quarterbacks who might have limited talent around them that have been able to scheme things up and produce results. So this is a big year for Matt Canada. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, make or break for him. I think if he wants to be the coordinator for this team beyond 2023, this offense has to get a lot, lot better. I, I agree with that sentiment entirely. It doesn't matter, you know, if Kenny Piggy gets hurt this year, not saying that he will, but even if there's if something like that does happen, it's up to Matt Canada to make the, make sure that this offense does go. If they are, if, if they are I, I think even if they're 16, I'm not sure that he sticks around. I think that they'd have to be, in that 14 to 10 range. And that, and that's saying a lot of a big jump from them this year. But uh, Exactly. Cause they were what 26th in scoring last year. So yeah. if they get up to 16, I think it, it creates an interesting conversation of where they could go from there. But I still think at that point, they might be like, you know what we can go with, like, they can make a Todd Haley move. They can go get a more experienced NFL coordinator. They're like, all right, like, you know, you know, offenses, we need you to get our, our young quarterback to be, you know, with the other top quarterbacks in the NFL. I think if they don't see that kind of progress, they will be moving on from Matt Canada. But again, we'll see what Matt Canada has to say in minicamp. He speaks on Wednesday. Ray, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're going to switch topics to the Buckos, who left a top, lost a tough one to the, to the Cubs in Chicago. Andrew Destin joins me to talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Andrew Destin, who covers a lot of things for us at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But during the summer, he's one of our Pirates guys back in Jason Mack. He was on the road covering the Pirates and the Cubs. The Pirates, though, got, got shelled a little bit there, 3-11 three, three to 11 in a loss to the Cubs in Chicago. But they still hold on to first place in the NL Central by a whole game. The Brewers, who they have coming up in the series after their 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 next two games with the Cubs. That's going to be a huge talk about here. Andrew, they're two, the Pirates are two and four in their last six games, including two losses to the A's, and now uh, this this uh, this beat down at the hands of the Cubs. But they've they've had their good moments. They had a, they had really good pitching from Mitch Keller. He bounced back for some rough signs uh, to finish out the Mets series. They had they scored fourteen runs in a win over the Mets to start that series. What do you see coming from them? Because these next eight games, they're not going to define the season because it's just too long of a season. But it's important to to stack up wins in your division, especially when you're holding on to first place right now and it's mid-June. Yeah, and I know Jason Mackey has talked about this before on this show as well as the podcast him and I do together on Tuesdays. It's, you know, you don't want to overstate the importance of playing these divisional games. But with the way that the schedule is structured now where you're playing – every team across MLB instead of just, you know, the divisional play being of heightened importance and playing interleague games, you know, being pretty sporadic. Um, This nine-game stretch, I'll even extend it to when the Pirates come back home quickly for three games against the Chicago Cubs. 
Um, These are nine really important games, and especially the five remaining ahead of them uh, on this road trip. Uh, This is really important, and I think there's some slightly concerning things you take away from that game last night because uh, what have we talked about all season about the Pirates' success? I mean, yes, it's been the timely hitting. Yes, it's been having good starting pitching. But at the forefront, it's been the bullpen, right? That's been something that's been huge for the Pirates, the success of guys like David Bednar and Colin Holderman as the ninth and eighth inning guys, respectively. But it's been more than that. It's been, wow, you're getting really great results from Dowry Moretta. You're getting great results, you know, in a career year for Johan Ramirez. Um, you know, that was not the case last night. And I'm not saying that one game should be cause for panic. It shouldn't. But you look at it yesterday, and there are some things that you can extrapolate and say, okay, Johan Ramirez, a third of an inning, three hits, four and runs. Uh, Rob Zestrizny, he has not had a good year. Uh, when healthy, an inning and two-thirds, three hits, three runs, a walk. I mean, it's gotten to a point where uh, with a guy like Zestrizny, you maybe think about it a little bit of, hey, is this a lefty arm that we want to keep in the bullpen? I know they've got Perdomo back up there. Uh, but, you know, when you have a guy like Garlene Garcia who's hurt and seemingly not coming back anytime soon, these are kind of the things the Pirates have had to navigate. And I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors, but you can get your way through a month or two months of baseball where it's, you know, you're not quite as healthy. Uh, But I I know Jason and I have expressed that concern on the Pirates' behalf about the pitching staff in total. And I think yesterday was just an example of if your bullpen's not perfect and doesn't rise to the occasion, uh, that's something that's concerning. And uh, how does that play over these next six days? Uh, Because, you know, you got another game today, you got another one Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Milwaukee against a team that's been chasing you. And on that point about the Brewers, this is a team that, for the large part, has kind of underperformed this year, uh, given mm-hmm. who they have, right? And they're still sitting here a few games over 500, very much breathing down the Pirates' necks. So um, you can make the argument that, say, the Cardinals, for instance, uh, they've maybe shown us who they really are, that this is a team that's got a lot of work cut out for it to climb out of the hole it's dug. But the Brewers, they've shown who the, they haven't shown who they really are, just in the sense that, yeah, they're not playing great baseball or what they're capable of but they're right there with the Pirates who have maybe exceeded expectations. And you have to wonder at what juncture does this bullpen that has been wildly improved compared to last year, does that start to come back down to earth as the pitching depth starts to really hurt the Pirates considering who's out right now with a JT Brubaker out for the year, no Vince Velazquez, Mike Burrows, one of your top prospects, you know, only threw two games this year before he went down. Um, When your starting pitching depth is impacting you like the way it has for the Pirates this year, um, you know, eventually that bullpen, it can only cover so many innings. So that's just something mm-hmm. that I slightly raised some concerns about. It might be overreaction just on one game, but uh, there's things that you can point to as, well, we haven't seen that in a long, long time. At least not from a guy like Johan Ramirez, who's been sensational the, you know, the rest of the season, really. Is there, is there enough of the Pirates? Is, can, can the Bats Pirate, uh, excuse me, the Pirates Bats, excuse me, uh, can the, the Pirates Bats come into their own a little bit more to kind of ease that up because it looked for a little bit there that maybe they would be able to, there was a little bit of back and forth between them and the Cubs uh, in the middle innings there after uh, Ortiz was pulled in the fifth. And, you know, I think that the Pirates scored a run then the Cubs scored a run, but then the Cubs just went ballistic and then the Pirates bats didn't, didn't have any answers for it. Is it reasonable to expect with this lineup for them to be able to kind of carry that weight sometimes when the, the, the bullpen doesn't have their best guys available? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible. I don't know that it's uh, I don't know that it's a sustainable model by any means, but mm-hmm. I think that when you're getting contributions like you are right now from Jack Sawinski, who we saw, we all saw what he did last night, hitting two home runs back in his hometown, essentially. Um, yeah, there's a guy who's swinging the bat really well right now and really has 
all season for the Pirates, right? Their leader in home runs. I believe he's up to 15 now after yesterday. Um, I think that's correct. Um, so you, you look at him, I mean, what he's doing against a former Pirate and Jameson Tyon. Uh, Sawinski's a guy who certainly is capable. We saw it last year when he got hot and he got called up. It's like when he's on his game and he's hitting homers at a frequent clip, uh, he can be a really p- impactful guy for a team's winning effort. So I think he's a bat for sure. Um, something that maybe has gone a little bit understated has been Brian Reynolds cooling off a little bit after that hot month of April. Um, the whole team, really, you could point to in May is saying that they weren't really at the top of their game, obviously. That was a dreadful month. But um, Reynolds is somebody who may be a point to as if he can take the next step uh, getting back to what he's capable of, then that certainly bodes well for the Pirates in June. Um, the, this team is never going to be a top five offensive juggernaut. But they can be top 15. I mean, you look at the three outfielders and Joe and Reynolds and Sawinski. These are all guys who rank in the top 11, I believe it is, in war. So these are top third outfielders in baseball. You're not asking Mm -hmm. everybody to be Aaron Judge. You're just asking them to be a little bit above average, which they have been. The question is, is that enough for a team to stay in first place? Or do you need that to be in conjunction with tremendous bullpen efforts and pretty good starting pitching from guys like a Mitch Keller and Rich Hill seemingly giving you six innings, three runs, or seven innings, three runs every time he goes out there. It's not, you know, seven innings of shutout ball, but he's making things competitive. Um, Ortiz did to some degree yesterday, though Ian Happ getting the three-run homer, three run homer off him definitely didn't help the cause. So I look at it as the, the bats are there. They're capable of enough. I don't know that it's sustainable, but it might be able to push them through a streak uh, if the bullpen is stumbling a little bit. The bigger question is, will this bullpen revert back to the first two months that were tremendous? Or are we going to see some market correction here over the next few months that maybe leads to a little bit of a slide from the Pirates? That's what I'm really curious about watching. I'm curious about that too. Uh, you know, Cause if their bullpen can get back to when they were, when they were strong, I think it puts them in a, in a strong position, but you know, something we talked about uh, early in the season in April, they seem to have a lot of different ways they could beat you that, you know, with their, with their ability to perform well on the bases, uh, you know, their ability to still be that that's kind of cooled off as well. And I think that's one thing that the pirates have kind of experienced is that they haven't been able to pull back more of the ways that they were beating opponents. Cause it wasn't just one way. It wasn't just the bats. It wasn't just starting pitching. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't just their, their bullpen. They were able to pull all those together. And that's what kind of made April so special. And we knew you couldn't have all of that throughout the whole season. I mean, that's what elite teams do. And this isn't an elite team. A lot of people projected them to finish just below 500 at best this year. Um, and, you know, I look at that and I, I say, okay, but I do think that there, you know, that there's, there are ways for this team to pull out games throughout the year and keep them afloat in an NL central. That's not that good. Like you said, the, the team is chasing them right now. The Brewers, they're underperforming their own expectations. But, Andrew, give us a couple predictions here to finish out the week here. They play two more games against the Cubs. I believe it's Smiley and Stroman that got, they got coming up that's on the mound. And the otherwise, uh, on the on the other side of things, where do you see the Pirates finishing this, this series? Are they get swept or do they get bounce back and win a game or two here? I think they're going to win a game or two. It's going to be interesting having Osvaldo Beto, uh come up here with the Pirates. Uh, he's now part of the roster. Uh, I believe that's correct. He was a taxi squad member for yesterday's game. He's with the team up in Chicago. Very curious to see how he does in the mound. We obviously all know what Marcus Stroman is capable of uh, back in his days in Toronto and with the Mets, obviously, is a good pitcher. Smiley is a funky lefty. Um, I look at this series, I said it to Jason Mackey, that this was something that was going to probably be a 500 road trip where you'd like to go three and three. And I said probably take two out of three from the Cubs and make one, take one out of three from the Brewers. 
Uh, that looks a lot less likely after you lose the Ortiz tie-on start, but I'll stick to my guns. I'll say they'll find a way to win the next two. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they'll pull it off against Stroman, but I think they bounce back tonight uh, for t- that game, uh, and then you, you look ahead to the Thursday. Um, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm thinking that this will be a 500 road trip in total, but yesterday certainly was a blow to that because that wasn't on my bingo card. Well, hey, we'll see how they perform the rest of the way. Two more games against the Cubs, and then they're on the road in Milwaukee, a place that's been tough for, for them to win in, in, in over, over the years. But if they're able to at least kind of mitigate that, that might be a big stance for them to hold on to their division lead as they head towards the end of June. He's Andrew Destin for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks again to Ray Fittipaldo for talking Steelers minicamp. That continues Wednesday and Thursday here where we'll have all our coverage at post gazette.com thanks again to everyone who enjoys the show on your favorite podcasting app or on youtube remember this show is monday wednesday and friday but we have daily content that comes out all the time when uh went from the pittsburgh post gazette including a salute to stan Saverin, a true legend and icon in pittsburgh media do check that out uh we had some great conversations i believe it was adam bittner and joe starkey talking about the legend that stan left behind and how he touched so many people in pittsburgh media with just being a great person who worked very hard at his job and loved what he did here in pittsburgh sports media we'll be back friday talking steelers and pirates and see how the how the week is ending for both of them as uh as the steelers wrap of minicamp and the pirates get ready to head to milwaukee we'll see you then right here on the north shore drive podcast thanks for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast of the pittsburgh post gazette if you're watching this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our youtube channel for six months of digital access to post gazette.com for just six dollars click the link down below in the description